restrict the flesh. Because the flesh, you know, like, oh, I got some word on now. It's time for me to go to sleep. So I just want you to just to extend your hands to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank Him for His, his goodness. Thank Him for His mercy. Just thank for being God in your life. Thank for being just your way maker, your provider. Hallelujah. The captain of your soul. Oh, Lord God, we magnify you. We exalt you, Lord God. I was glad when they said unto me, come into the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I know how the flesh do. The flesh gets tired. It gets hungry. The flesh talks. The flesh has a mind. The flesh is ready to go home. The flesh is just ready just to dictate to you what to do. So we have to trick the flesh. And then once we trick the flesh, we see, it's, it's like what the dog whisperer actually does, the trainer does to the dog. See, when the dog get all excited or he's in a uh, violent behavior, you have to do something immediately and quick that cause it to change <laughs> its mind and behavior. So I had to do something quick to your flesh to change your mind and your behavior. Amen. You know, I, I came back from Colorado and um, and I've been away just uh, Lord had me to be in a place of silence um, for almost, I believe, a month and a half, two months. And uh, you have to know when God says to be silent or he is saying to be still. And what is he really saying when he says, be still? Not only be still, but be still and know that I'm God. Start, I mean, this is for everybody, but start, uh, that, that you came to mind when I, I heard that. He said, and we don't know, we think to be still is just not moving. He said, be still. He said, stop exerting yourself. Get, a, get into a relaxed position. CT, this is for you. He said, stop exerting yourself. It's time for you to relax, Cindy. Stop exerting yourself. See, you're exerting yourself in this fight of life. He said, Lord, and see, when you be still, you have to, he said, lower your hands down and relax your shoulders. See, because you've been swinging and moving. See, you've been moving things around. You've been doing this. You've been just all over the place. Lower your shoulders down. He said, relax. Stop exerting yourself, Tiffany. He said, and then you will see the salvation of the Lord. Because we're still moving and we're doing this and doing that. And we can't see what he's already done for you, Doc. Stop exerting. See, we keep exerting ourselves. Relax. Amen. So he calls me to relax so I could, and when you do that, you hear. And I was able to hear at a different level. I mean, I mean, it's an amazing thing when you, you hear from God. I don't know how you feel about it or, or when it's a real true hearing the voice of God. I heard God on takeoff when I was leaving Norfolk Airport. When the plane took off, and you know, you get so many aptitudes up. And then you hear the wheels of the plane come in and the fins of the plane go out. 
ask them a question, it always starts with a question. And it has to be the right question. Not just asking to be asking, but because I want to know what's on God's heart. I said, what's going on with your people, Lord? He said, well, I need for us to do a spiritual prognosis. But it has to be a diagnosis first. So I'm going to allow you to walk with me in your spiritual visit to heaven. See, when you're not feeling well, you have symptoms. It's, it's signaling you something's wrong in your body. But how come we don't get attention or seek out a diagnosis, a spiritual diagnosis, so God can give you the prognosis of what's going on with you? Okay. I know that's a little different. Because he says you have a you have a problem. You have a situation. You have a circumstance. And you keep having the same situation and same circumstance, the same spiritual disease. And you are not seeking out help. See, many Christians have lost their passion to know and desire God. We come to church, read the word, go do all the activities of what is supposed to be in the life of a Christian. But you don't have any passion or desire, God says for him. We're part of programs, and, you know, we go, some people go to a place where there are masses of people, and, and they're talking, and it appears to be praising God and, and reading the word of God and praying. He said, but you have no passion for me. You have no real desire for me. Not your passion. He says his passion for him. See, the desire of God. The beauty of God. See, what is the beauty of God? See, believers are to desire the beauty of God above all else. See, when it comes to the things that you value, you go all out. You let everyone know you're doing it. You get everyone to be a part of it. He said, but when it comes to me, very few people do you tell, come and see and learn of God. Where is the, okay. The word says, if we delight ourselves in him, he promises to give us the desire of our heart. Do y'all really want to know what that means? The desire of our heart. You think it's your desire, don't you? <laughs> this desire will be the Lord himself. He said, I will give you me. This is the ultimate fulfillment. He said, I'm going to give you the desires that you desire. See, but you don't know that you should be desiring me. You have a great, intense need of fulfillment. This is why you do all the things that you do. You buy what you buy. You travel and you do, I mean, you go, you, you just do whatever you do. For whatever fulfillment that you think it is, but you still avoid, he says, because the ultimate fulfillment, he says, Sammy, is me. I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. <laughs> There's absolutely none. 
The kids think they want to play games. They have a desire, want to go and go certain places, do certain things. He said, no, what you really desire is me, and I'm going to give you me. See, this ultimate fulfillment is love. Often when the word is preached, this is what happens. We get excited. We feel empowered. Ready to go do some things. However, briefly thereafter, we're in need of another touch. Lord, send a revival. This experience is short-lived and often all too familiar. Extreme highs and extreme lows. From one pit to another pit. A vicious cycle of ups and downs. But we say, fill with the Holy Spirit. Ups and downs. That's not God's desire for you. He has given you or he has himself available for you. But you won't take him. He said, you're still desiring other things. We keep coming back to the same place, Pastor, of dryness and emptiness. See, you're real lit when you're out there in the world. I mean, you're real lit with the things that you love. You, I mean, that's where you, you can see your love expressed because that's where your money is and that's where your time is. It's highly expressed and the areas that you love. But you keep coming back to this emptiness and dryness, absence, deficiency, depletion. I don't know what it is. You know, I, you know, I've, been, I, I, you know I've been saved for a while. You know, I, you, know, you know, the word, you know, it just won't stick. I, you know, I've been praying and I fast and, and I just can't, you know, I just don't feel his presence anymore. And when the minstrels were singing the joy, step into the joy of the Lord. See, then that's my, see, then that's my song. See, y'all, you have a secular song. Oh, that's my, that's my jam, right? And a dance to go with it, Pastor. But see, now that's my song. Step into the joy of the Lord. See, but we are in this place of depletion. This should be an alert. This is a sign that something's wrong in your spiritual walk. You should be alert to take immediate action. You should now seek to be diagnosed and receive a prognosis. So what is a what is it what does it mean to be diagnosed? First of all, I need to identify. It means to evaluate. That means that we need to evaluate today. We need to investigate what's going on with you. We need to identify some Symptoms that you've been experiencing? Okay, so maybe some of these. Vain imagination. Darkened heart. Unresponsive to God. Sensation of the presence of God, it comes and it goes. Inability to consistently stay full of God. Experiencing double-mindedness. Extreme and intense cravings for things of the world. Are you experiencing an overpowering need to magnify your problems? Are you too spiritually fatigued to glorify and give thanks to God? Having problem with your hearing? 
insensitivity of the voice of God, and just no peace. Are you experiencing any of these spiritual symptoms? Vain imaginations. We're going to talk. We're going to talk more about this. Towards the end, uh, we're going to determine. I'm going to allow you to determine your own prognosis. You know, prognosis means to foretell your survival rate and also recovery. If you can recover from this. Do I say you have a 70% or a 20% chance that your spirit will be developed again? Or you have a reprobated mind and, and it's a terminal, eternal death? Let's just dig into this because only you can fix yourself. So to do that, let's talk about your value systems. And when counting up the costs of what you value, does God suppress it? Does he surpass it? Does God surpass what you value? Just think about what you value. I just have to take a little bit of time with this. Because we value so much other than God. Starting with ourselves. Let's first view or review Apostle Paul's value system. Philippians 3, 8, Amplified Classic. So reads. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Yes, come on. Of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake, I have lost everything my God. And consider it all to be mere rubbish, refuse, dregs, in order that I may win, gain Christ, the anointed one. Question is, if I would, let you ask, you can ask yourself, what have I valued over God this year? Because when we think we can't afford to give God, we value our problem over God. We don't trust him. Will you spend your, your most time and what brings you the most enjoyment is what you value? Paul says, I, for Christ's sake, I have lost everything. Are you willing to lose everything for God? We're required. If you're a Christian, you have to count up the cost. My life, my house, my car, my children, my family, my career. He said, Apostle Paul says, I've counted up the cost. He said, I lost it all to gain the knowledge. Just knowing Christ is my advantage. See, but your advantage is that more I have in my, my bank account. I have an advantage. 
the more peace I probably think I have in my home, things are going right. He's no count at all joy when you fall in those tests and, and trials and temptation and your sufferings. How bad do you want to be acquainted and intimate with God? What are you willing to give up to do that? How far are you willing to travel? Because that's what we do. What's convenient for us? Oh, there is a, a place of worship across the street. I'll go there. The apostle gave up everything. Are we really willing to do that? Amen, Pastor Jesse. Start off with the will. And that's just a good question to ask yourself because if you can't, then you can't serve them. Consider, consider then, am I really serving God? He even speaks about those pastors that are people who are not saved. There is, believe it or not, a homing device in, in his creation in all humanity. Even the agnostic who says there's no God. There is a homing device that they are star. To know how to come home. Y'all ain't ready. See. How even those who don't believe in God. He has placed inside of them. An intuitive revelation of God's existence. It is an intuitive revelation that God exists. And that's a homing device that they will know how to get home to their father. This is why he said, I came so that all may be saved. If that was the case, Terrence, they would have to know how to get home. Jesus, y'all not read it. See, he said, you'll be without excuse, defense, or justification. See, oh, Holy Spirit, I thank you. See, we've been praying for our, our spouse or this person to get saved. But God said this. He said, when I, see, he just have everything already made right to this. Nothing we need to add. And we'll have no excuse not to know him or to receive him. He said, when I created you, when I created humanity, I put it inside of my baby. There's no way you give birth to a child and your child don't know you. They're my creation, he said. But they don't come my children. Until they accept me. This is why you can raise kids and they turn against you because you have not accepted me. He said, but I put it in you. Just like Gabby. It's a homing device inside of her. And now they, they know their way back home. Now whether they choose to or not. <laughs> We'll be waiting for them when they do come. Romans 1, 8 and 19, Amplified Classic. This is the intuitive revelation, just to give you a um, supporting scripture of what I just gave you. 1, verse 18 through 19. So reads, for God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness repress and hinder the truth mm -hmm. and make it inoperative. For that which is known about God is evident to them yes, and made plain mm -hmm. in their inner consciousness 
Because God himself has shown it to them. Come on. See, I don't need to sit down with you and explain to you how to receive God because you already have him. I don't need to, we don't need to pray together. We don't need to study together. You know why? Because he said, I place it in your inner conscience. He said, I placed it in your inner conscience. He said, but it's you that is suppressing me. He said, it's evident, and I made it plain. See, if God made it evident and plain, we don't, see, we think we have to do all this explaining about God and who he is and how to get to him. Oh, it's so complicated. I don't know. I, how do you do it? He said, it's within you. And the word is not on your mouth. Speak. For God's holy wrath, he said, my judgment will be revealed from heaven. To all the ungodliness and unrighteousness. He said, you have no right to go to hell. There's no reason for you to go to hell. He said, but my judgment will be on you because you know your home. And you know your father. You're, you're going to be without excuse because I place it in your inner consciousness. You're suppressing it. With your way of thinking and with your intellect and your ideology. He said, you are suppressing. You're suppressing the true and living God that's inside of you. I've already put, I put myself in your inner consciousness, in the inner man, Pastor. You can because it's I am. You, he said you repress and you hinder the truth, which he is truth. He said you repress and hinder me being operable in your life. See, this is, a, and there's a process of walking away and also drawing to God, the fullness of God. See, this is what's happening. We're empty and we're dry. We, we have to maintain the fullness of God. Romans 1.21. Because when they knew and recognized him as God, they did not honor and glorify him as God or give him thanks. But instead they became futile and godless in their thinking. With vain imaginings, foolish reasoning, and stupid speculations. And their senseless minds were darkened. Because that, when they knew God, he says, I place the existence of the knowledge of the revelation that I exist inside of you. So that means you know. He places in all creation a homing device. They glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful. Underline right thankful. You won't believe how you're going to be judged because you're not thankful. But became vain in their imagination. We're going to talk about the vain imagination, what that really means and what happens. And their foolish hearts were darkened. So this is the process that causes you to walk away from God, that causes you to be empty, causes you to be dry and not full of God. One, you don't glorify God, which means you don't value God. Two, you, you are not thankful. Three, you become vain in your imaginations. Four, Darkened heart, which means a darkened mind. All four determines if you will stay full of God or be empty of God. See, because if you stop glorifying God as God and stop glorifying what he's done in your life, this is why he tell you, remember, 
Remember. See, if you stop glorifying what he's done in your life, then you lose the manifestation of that revelation. That's why you have to have a testimony. If you haven't been through nothing yet, you better go through something. You better call it on. Tell it, hurry up and come and get over with. Hurry up and come. I need a testimony so I get a manifestation of the revelation of God. See, because whatever blessing or healing that you receive when you stop thanking him for it, you lose the revelation of that blessing and that healing and that deliverance. Salvation alone. You stop thanking him for being saved. This is why it's not joyous anymore to thank God for the blood. See, this is why it's just, oh, okay, yeah, the blood of Jesus. No, when I, when, oh, Jesus, the blood of Jesus. I begin to think because I see death trying to fight and take my life, but I see Christ as overtaken, and he's the victory of death. Oh, the blood of Jesus. See, on the contrary, if you keep glorifying God, Cindy, you never lose the glory. You never lose the revelation. But the revelation and your faith increases and it increases and it increases. See, but what's been happening? Because you forget, you lose faith. You lose faith and you lose faith. And you lose fire and you lose passion. You lose desire for God because you stop thinking and thanking him. You stop thinking about him. You stop thanking God. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. This, is, this teaches full of the word. So we're in now. I'm going, I'm going to go through the four stages and break them down and give you scriptures for it. So you understand? So uh, 1A, glory to glory. We are to go from glory to glory, not from pit to pit. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. So reads, and all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continued to behold in the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor, and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. My God. He says here, you're not supposed to be having an up and down relationship with me. You're supposed to be consistently going from glory to glory. <sighs> okay. First of all, you have to continue to behold. See, you stop beholding the word of God. You're going home, you're reading the word, but you don't behold the word. It's still when you hear the word, and I'm speaking, it's a mere man. It's not the spirit of God speaking. He said, you don't, he said, you are to receive the word of God as the word of God. Because when you do, you are constantly being transfigured into the image of God. What's happening is that you, you have stopped being transformed in the image. So you stop going from glory to glory. And you have to stand still. And you're frustrated. And you... He said you should be ever increasing. Your life in every area should be ever increasing. He said with splendor. Everything about you house should be in splendor. It's not about, oh, I, you know, this is who I am. This is what I kind of do, and I'm kind of good with this. No, the Lord says how everything about your life should be increasing with splendor. Glory to God. He says from one degree of glory to another degree. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Glory itself means this. Did you know glory means to think? Yes. 
tell you, when I was in that plane, I, I know them people throughout crazy. I was reading, and I'm the world, God was talking to me. I'm like, whoa. There was no turbulence or nothing, but whoa, his spirit. <laughs> whoa, where we going? Glory means to think, to give proper opinion and value. Give the Lord glory. Amen. To think. Then give him from a proper opinion and value. Now give him the proper, value him in the proper way, and then express it to him. See, see, see what we're not doing, we're like, oh, glory to God, glory to God. Yes, I don't quite understand this, but yeah, I guess it's what we're doing. Boom, 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 boom. No, he says, think. Then give a proper opinion and value. Then express it to me. See, it has to be a proper value to who he is. Then express it. Oh, see, I could take off. I could just take off some places. I could take off some places. It says he is in power, nature, and character. Allowed to be seen as he really is. See, to think that glory. See, when you give him the proper opinion value, you're able to now have his power, his nature, and his character because now you can see him as he really is. Mm. Oh, glory. <laughs> oh, this is not a game. You could, see, see, oh. John said, immediately, I was in the spirit. You didn't have to work me up. It wasn't a song. It wasn't about me feeling like it died. He said, immediately, I was in the spirit of God. He said, because I gave him glory. I thought about his goodness and his mercy, and I gave him proper opinion and value. Then I expressed myself to him, and immediately, I was in the spirit. As we hear the gospel, we see the glory of Christ, which in turn gives us the knowledge of God. See, when you hear the word, receive the word, conceive the word, then in turn, the word does this. It gives you knowledge of God. You don't even have to try to understand it. He gives you the knowledge of who he is. Glory and magnify, they, mo they both mean the same thing. It means to value, esteem God, while disesteeming everything else. Okay. Okay. See, you can't praise him and something else is bigger than him in your life. It can't even be about somebody else's salvation. See, we're going to use that as some religious thing. No, I don't care. You want your husband saved? That's not bigger than God glorifying him. It says it has to be bigger. When you praise me, I have to be bigger than everything else. Disesteem even your children and family and all that you own. Make him bigger. Make him bigger than your mind. Make him bigger than you being lazy and don't want to go forth in the glory of God. Make him bigger. Behold, behold, or beholding is a way of becoming. So when I, I hear receive the word of God, I have to behold it because this is who I'm going to become. This is why I have to hold and esteem the word of God high because this is the way I'm going to become. That is to say, you ought to become like that which you behold. We'll take on his characteristics, his values, his qualities of that which we most cherish and to which we devote our hearts and our minds to. See, he's always transmitting. We just are not receiving. Our tuner is off. But if you're not full of God today, it's you who have chosen it. It's you. 
who have chosen not to be full of God. You better know this. The enemy competes for the value of your place with God. The enemy competes for the value you place with God. And he competes with that in your situation. Your problems, how you're thinking, what you're worrying about. He competes for the value that you hold for God. You have to welcome the word of God. And when you do, it works in you effectively and those only who believe. Exercising is superhuman power inside of you. What you think you cannot do. I can't go no further. You're right. Let me take you. To be thankful. Call to memory and never forget, Cindy. In 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 1, 2, and 4, Amplified Classic. So reads, but understand this, that in the last days will come, will set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with. Come on. And hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered, lovers of money and aroused by an inordinate greedy desire for wealth, proud and arrogant. Yes. And contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents, Talk ungrateful, about mm-hmm. unholy, and profane. He's talking about everybody in here of all ages, children, adults. He's talking about how you're going to be disobedient to your parents. And you are because it says you're not thankful. So when you're not thankful, you are disobedient. It causes the children to be disobedient when they're not Thankful for what their parents are doing for them. It enters them into disobedience. He said they are ungrateful. He said my people are an ungrateful people. He's not talking about the world. He said but this is going to come when there's stress and trouble. And when you think you can't deal with no more, it's too hard for me to deal with this. I can't bear it. I can't bear not one more thing. He said, you're going to be lovers of money because I got to have it. Money now is going to be your God. I want you to, to recognize what word is next to ungrateful. Unholy is next. When you're ungrateful, it's equally the same as unholy. Stir up by memory. Remember his goodness. Stir up. Stay full to keep you established in the present truth. See, you got to stir up. Stay thankful so you can remain in the present truth. Continue to thank God for what he's done and doing in your life. Look at your situation in the light of eternity. It will change your perspective. Look at your life in the essence of your eternity, and it will change your perspective. See, when the Lord is worth more to you than your life? It has to be. He has to be more to you than your life. Then, and only then, is when your Christian life truly starts. Yeah. Without having, see, then your Christian life starts and you don't have to strive. You guys can just, I mean, you could just imagine what was going on in the plane, and this is what I'm getting. I would let me out, let me out. So we got to maintain what we receive. 
All right, it's exciting. I felt empowered, but I have to maintain this. I have to maintain my praise. I have to maintain that he's good. I have to maintain his value in my life. See, praise is one of the most important things you can do. See, because it causes you to focus on the Lord and what he's doing. It causes you. It makes you turn around, look at him, and say, Lord, you are good. See, we have to remember the goodness of God. Because when you remember the goodness of God, it ruins sin in your life. Oh, see, y'all don't even know what praise. I need you to get your praise back. Turn up the praise. Turn it up. See, this is what has to happen. Our children, this is why you, the word of God says, train up the children the way that it should go. Stand up. This is what you do. Take, take both your hands and hit them together. It's real easy. Your mouth, open it up. Words, force them out. God, you're good. You're worthy. Teach them how to exhort God. Teach them to say that God is good. Thank you, Lord, for all what you're doing in my home. I thank you, Lord, God, that you're blessing my mom and my dad. You're increasing their life more and more. Teach them. Train them up the way to go. It's not about how they feel. It's not about you. If you can do all the sports, you can get up and praise God. But I see what you value. But I'm tired. I'm tired. Three, became vain in the imagination. What is imagination, first of all? See, this is the place where you, where you think and conceive. These are all your ideals. This is where things come alive. This is where it all starts. The mind, conception. See, the faculty or action of forming new ideals happen here. Images, pictures, concept of external object not present to the senses. Sounds like supernatural to me. Ideals, concept. It says, objects not present to your senses. Okay. See, not glorifying God and not thanking God causes our imagination to be vain. This is the vain imagination. When you stop glorifying God and stop praising God, your imagination becomes idle. See, the word says, You'll be judged. See, you're going to be judged on your imagination. See, this is why if a man look at another woman, it is sin. You know why? Because it was a conception. It is because this is where concepts, your ideals, and your actions. Actions are in imagination. See, this is what's preventing us from doing things that we should do or shouldn't do. Something wrong with me. Yeah, something's wrong with your imagination. Hear me. Something's wrong with your imagination. I can't seem to stop doing this because you're not glorified. This is why I was saying this when it comes to most of the men. I said, you don't praise. I don't, that's, that step almost took me out. See, I'm telling you right now, <laughs> I said the men don't praise. But you use your imagination for other things. But you won't praise. See, you won't glory. See, you have to praise because when you praise, you glorify God. You show him that you value him. And when you don't, what happened to your imagination, it becomes idle. Which means that now your imagination 
Hear me, man of God, works against you. It works against you. Instead of the imagination now working for you, it works against you. The question is, what are you imagining, men? Because you don't praise. You don't praise. So that's why you can't stop your vices that you're doing. You can't stop your vices. You know why? Because your imagination is vain. It's, it's non-productive to your advantage. It's a disadvantage working against your mind. You don't need to go to the doctor. You don't need to go to the doctor. He's here. God is here. You don't need to go to a psychiatrist. He said, I, he said, I specialize in the mind. Now have the mind of Christ. Y'all done made me build up a sweat. He said, you will be judged for every idle, non-productive word that you speak. Because as a man thinketh, so is he. How are you thinking? See, and we're going to learn what a hypocrite is. I'm going to go through here because I'm going to stop rating about uh, 12 minutes. <laughs> oh, we're going to we're gonna, we're gonna get to the hypocrite. I mean, we're going to be delivered, set free. We're going to walk out of doctor office so healed and never to see that disease again. I'm going to help y'all. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. See, our imagination is a byproduct of our focus. Your imagination, uh-huh, you better get a hold of it, because it's a byproduct of your focus. It conceives everything. I mean, this is why this is what work God said. Who could know the mind? I mean, full of evil, wicked, because it conceives everything. So you have to direct your focus, because wherever you direct your focus, your imagination will conceive it all. So why can't we really serve God? Why don't we know that God is good? Because your focus and your values on something else. If you, if you can't see it, you can't act it out. If you can't see yourself praising God, worshiping God, if you can't see that God is good, you can't act it out. You can't praise God. Our imagination, again, is where we conceive, and you're going to be judged on it. If you quit glorifying God and being thankful, your imagination is forced. You're now forcing your imagination to work against you. So being thankful is extremely important. Telling God that he's good is extremely important, because when you don't, you force your mind not to serve God it works against you, Pastor, instead of working for you. It begins now, Mr. Brian, to see everything negative. Everything is negative now. Critical spirit. See, then you become to be fearful, operating in unbelief and no faith. Fearing the worst is going to happen. Okay. Imagination has locked you into a self-fulfilling prophecy. Your imagination, wherever it has taken you or going to take you, has locked you into a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
Your imagination prophesies to you, and you will fulfill it. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. But we are now creating the image of Christ. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind, whose imagination is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. So what do you see? What do you see? Because a pure mind allows you to see faith. See, whatever God's word says, you will see. Are you able to see your true potential? See, when you do, you won't have to ask God anything else except to receive your sight. See, I just need to receive. Oh, glory. The blind man, when he said to him, receive your sight. He said, you just have to imagine that you see. He said, think it. Because we think in pictures. He said, now, receive your sight to see what you already have. Now, receive your sight to see what you already have. You already have your sight. Just receive your sight. Burn. Just receive it. Not where you're at, but what God has already prepared for you. He has, I said, has sitting ready, fenced in for Roberta. He said, now just receive your sight. What you already have. He said, now see what you already have. <laughs> that, that need to be received. It, that need to be received for a few more women in here. Yeah, yeah. Whitney says she's already there. I Whitney said a says few she's more. A, she's already, already received. And again, if you don't glorify God and you aren't thankful, your imagination becomes vain. Then your foolish heart becomes darkened. So that's, this is the last one. See, when your heart becomes darkened now, do you know what this is considered to be? It's better known as behavior modification. Trying to change behavior without changing the heart. Hypocrite. You're trying to, first of all, it says again, if you don't glorify God, you aren't thankful, and your imagination becomes vain, and which we know what imagination when it's vain, right? Then your foolish heart becomes darkened, better known as behavior modification. You're trying to change behavior without changing your heart. Hypocrite. Hypocrisy. A darkened understanding, Ephesians 4, verse 17, 18. We're going on through here. We got 10 minutes. We're coming, we coming up on the rear. Ephesians 4, verse 17, 18. A darkened understanding. So this I say, and solemnly testify in the name of the Lord as in his presence, that you must no longer live as the heathen. The Gentiles do in their perverseness, in the folly, vanity, and emptiness of their souls, and the futility of their minds. Their moral understanding is darkened, and their reasoning is beclouded. They are alienated, estranged, self-banished from the life of God, My Lord. with no share in it. This is because of the ignorance, the want of knowledge and perception the willful blindness that is deep-seated in them due to their hardness of heart, to the insensitiveness of their moral nature. See, you reach this point because you stop valuing God and making him bigger 
than your life, what you're doing, your, everything about your life and what's in your life and the people in your life. He said, you're not probably esteeming me, valuing me, glorifying me, magnifying me. And when you do that, you become, see, when you do that, you are obviously giving my glory to the world. To the things that you're doing, where you spend the most of your time, get the most of your joy from. He said, that's what you're doing. And you become insensitive to me and non-responsive. You position yourself not to hear my voice. And your heart is hardened. We have two minds, the natural mind and the spiritual mind. This is why the word of God says, don't be double-minded. Why would he say that, don't be double-minded? That means that you, we have two minds. You have two minds. See, but you don't realize that. We don't realize we actually have two minds. The spiritual mind, though, is the master controller. And it, it just uses your natural mind. See, you need to know the role of both the minds. It uses your natural mind as a processor. Now you just collect the data. Now give it to me. Now what I'm going to do is take this information and turn it spiritually and give you the proper direction and guidance in your life. See, but you're trying to do this with your natural mind. Again, you have two. The natural information enters and allows your spiritual mind, which is your heart, to make the decision, not your natural mind. I know we said, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, your flesh normally do it. Okay. You can't keep thoughts from coming. Hear me. You can't keep thoughts from coming. However, you can refuse to empower them. You can, you can refuse to empower your thoughts that are not of God. We're not talking about the ones that are not positive. We're talking about, we're talking about the thoughts of God. Because what we think is good is not good. Read with your heart the word of God. Because it was written for your heart. See, we don't read the word of God with our heart. He said, it was written for your heart. He said, my son, if you will receive my words and treasure up. He said, treasure up my commandments within you. Making your ear attentive to skillful and godly wisdom. And inclining and directing your heart and mind to understanding Applying all your powers to the quest for it. Applying your will to the request of my word. Yes, if you cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek wisdom as for silver and search for skillful and godly wisdom as for a hidden treasure, then you will understand the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of the most holy God. We're talking today about, I'm done. We're talking today, I'm, about, I'm on my time, 1.30. We were talking today about spiritual prognosis. And only you can fix you. Now, are you able to recover? What's your survival rate? Did you identify some of these symptoms in your life? Unresponsive to God. Vain imagination. Oh, it's real here, Cindy. It's real and it's true. It's real because you know what? We have to really live this thing. And God has provided a way 
that you can live it in a victorious demeanor. You've already overcome. And even though, glory to God, and you don't, see, we can encourage ourselves. David said, I encourage myself. I couldn't get nobody. I couldn't find nobody. He said, well, turn within you and encourage yourself. Because God has placed inside of you the inner side of your consciousness, his very existence. There's no reason why those who are believers were depressed. We're angry. We don't love our family members. We're deceived that we're not, we're loving them wrong. We're saying amen, and when you shouldn't say amen, but I need help. We have to come to a place in God to where your life is no longer your life, but it's God's life. Only then will you really know him and experience him. And you can actually now glorify him and give him proper glory, esteem him, and value him. But you have to be first willing to let go your life. See, because he's not going to take it. You have to release it yourself. And when you release your life, which is your will, be easier than to have the will of the Father. The Word of God says, He said, My commandments are not grievous. To live holy is not grievous. To serve me is not grievous. He said, I've given you peace. I'm your provider. I'm your place of refuge. I'm the soundness of mind. I'm prosperity. I am your ultimate fulfillment, for I am love. Amen. I pray that the word of God has reached a place in your inner man, and you are changed from the inner.